everyone, welcome to another episode of the Spiel with Stewie. And today's uh, Spiel deals with the ever-evolving, creative, influential music genre that is hip-hop. Hip-hop is a powerhouse genre that is now, you know, it's not uncommon to see rap slash hip-hop songs, you know, in the top 10 pop charts. So obviously there's a lot going on with it. So today there is a lot to say about this, and it's going to be a lot, but kind of brief, we'll see. And I hope you enjoy, so let's get it, hip-hop. So, as with all music genres, the start influence the start involves influences from popular styles at the time, you know. So in the seventies, soul and funk word pop tunes and in New York diverse communities would host block and late night parties. So as these were getting popular and stuff, DJs started mixing different rhythmic and percussion tunes of songs. And the styles familiar in Jamaican dub tracks where different rhythms would be mixed and altered to the DJ's desire. So the borrowing of tracks and tunes is referred to as sampling and this involved manipulation of the turntable as well as like mixing a popular tune from one song and kind of making it your own. Then later on MCs became important and they would lay down lyrics on top of the track and this is pretty much rapping as we know it. And earlier songs, hip-hop songs, were performed by groups, usually all male, and they would rap, you know, their own verses, showed off their own skill, tried to outdo each other, you know, this could be heard in the popular Sugar Hill Gang song, Rapper's Delight, you know, in the song, different verses were performed by different members of the group, and kind of adding their unique style to each song. So, in um, in the Bronx, African Americans were starting to get popular, performing, and creating their own songs. So by the late 70s, hip-hop groups would break out in New York and hip-hop as a whole is starting to spread out the country. As hip-hop, you know, started continuing to evolve in the 80s, there was more introduction of sampling as well as electric sounds. There were more reggae slash dub influences that could be heard with echo when other auditory effects in the song and, you know, these influences from the Caribbean communities in New York were used and kind of influenced because those groups were used to what was being heard back home. And in Jamaica, as dance hall was becoming its own thing, this was really common, especially with the development of sound systems for music production. In the United States, technology changed rap, and you know, you had DJs and MCs creating their own beats, mixing things up, like, you know, African. Bambada's Planet Rock. Then you also had the introduction of new sampling from different genres like rock, which is perfectly displayed in Run DMC's It's Tricky. Also, furthermore, the lyrics developed into something that more had a message that could be politically influenced or some simple storytelling that had witty rhymes and professional execution, like Slick Rick's Children's Story. However, one, um also changed in hip-hop was that mainstream songs did become shorter and this was a to appeal to radio stations since some early on um rap songs like rapper's delight could be anywhere from 7 to 15 minutes so another thing was one major shift was the introduction of west coast rap and that kind of changed the game a little bit because it was heavy influences from gang life police brutality and sexual themes and, you know, those talking about sex and stuff like that wasn't, like, necessarily uncommon. 
Um, and you know those were being used. You know, no one was yet saying, um, I hit it from the back, but now people were, man. So, you know, it is, it is what it is. But more importantly, you know, West Coast rap created a sub-genre of sorts. You know, some people refer to it as gangster rap because, you know, it was real. You know, it was deep, emotionally charged and challenging. And, you know, there were several attempts to censor multiple groups and individuals. Um, political groups would, you know, go out and vocally complain to the public about groups like, you know, NWA and others. You know, they didn't really want to talk about it or didn't really appreciate how they were expressing themselves. But, you know, they didn't care. They were starting to use their craft as rapping to bring light to the social problems and the struggles of communities. You know, so then rap was becoming this thing that it wasn't just something fun to dance to, but it had something more important. You know, you listen to it, you think about it. So this was kind of this new 80s influence that was adding more complexity to the genre with the lyrics, with the competition, the rise, and reception. So, moving on. A lot happened in the 90s for rap. I'm just going to say this now. I am not going to talk about it, but a lot went down. There were new artists appearing, new rap styles. You know, there was the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. But I feel like one thing that kind of sums up all of that is the fact that rap was huge. Rap was officially, boom, something big. And, you know, rappers were public icons that had a presence that were influencing nations. You had groups like A Tribe Called Quest that, you know, tried to focus on positivity in the world and supporting each other. But then you had, like, darker tones like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, and then that Wu-Tang Clan kind of brought more of that, you know, West Coast intensity to East Coast rap. Though that could be argued, obviously. Rapper Big Pun, you know, he proved that not all rappers had to be black. And women like Queen Latifah and Salt and Pepper were keeping up their momentum even after some of their success in the 80s. You know, they were brought out and inspired women in the industry to talk about their lives and their own issues, you know, challenging standards like slut-shaming. So, you know, shout out to Salt and Pepper, none of your business, because it ain't. And, you know, got to talk about these two. Two prominent figures in 90s rap, of course, are... Biggie and Tupac and you know there are their differences but they were both good at the craft at the craft you know Tupac had you know as being known as still known for being real and you know he had his positive tunes like you know dear mama and keep your head up Biggie talked about his own real struggles and you know I would kind of far go as far to say about mental issues going on like in the song everyday struggle that one was real that one was deep he was going through it so, you know, both had their success and their songs about the high life, but they also kept it real. And they shifted East Coast rap back into the mainstream music. But, you know, they still gave respects and props to Cali and the West Coast. They talked about the struggle of the ghetto and even warned about the glorification of gangster culture. And I feel like that was a prophecy in a way, especially when you see how some people interpret our black culture for themselves. There's a lot of glorification of being a gangster, but it's a hard life. And honestly, I could go on. There is a lot to say about the 90s. Um, personally, it's one of my favorite eras for hip-hop. You know, lots of emotions, socially charged music going on. It was fun, honest, real, but kept challenging. And even to this day, like my old soul wonders what our hip-hop culture would look like if we still had the great artists like Biggie and Tupac, you know, who were hadn't been murdered and taken away from us. Um, 
I know music always changes, but I feel like still at the time the prominent rappers in the 90s kind of carried a torch and led us into the 2000s because the beat don't stop. Here we are, 2000s to now. Um, the hip-hop industry further established itself as a part of American culture and how it had spread across the world. Um, the 2000s hip-hop songs, you know, featured a lot of R&B and hip-hop mixtures, whether, you know, it's a choral song that had a rap verse or, you know, rap lyrics that had lyrical choruses, you know, like the song I Wanna Love You by Akon, but it featured Snoop Dogg. And the media continued to showcase hip-hop videos. We you know networks like BET and MTV. Hip-hop continued to give props to its Caribbean origins. Hip-hop was at this point more than just music or in a few songs. It established itself as a genre that gave a voice to people who had something to say. You know, give them a beat and let it start. For example, Eminem. He proved that, you know, rap, again, wasn't just a black people thing. You know, you have themes of struggle, escape, triumph, and your origins, and it kind of seemed to fit no matter who was really on the mic as long as they had skill. And, you know, rappers are established icons, celebrities, with constant TV publicity. You would see them talk and show themselves, and now they're on reality TV. The late 90s introduced several hip-hop-influenced movies that showed the inspiration in the lives of these artists. And I think it's kind of interesting, uh, interestingly enough, rappers kind of like prove themselves to be like really good actors, you know? You see rappers appearing in Friday, in Poetic Justice, in 8 Mile, just to name a few of the earlier ones. And currently, um, as all these things have changed, a lot of us now are kind of, for me I will least, probably because I live on the um, East Coast, is the fact that trap music is really big at the time or right now I should say not at the time in the United States you know you have this new wave of artists that highlight some of the familiar sounds from Atlanta you know 30 South music which kind of relates to Outkast, T.I. and Ludacris but there is this big well not big but quite interesting wave of artists from Atlanta so I find that interesting being from Georgia and, you know, there's obviously still similarities in the topics discussed, like the struggles in the ghetto, drug dealing, and the luxury of money. But the new features kind of going on are especially ad-libs, as you can see from the popular group, The Migos, which highlighted that, you know, life could be difficult and is difficult outside of the Atlanta um, city limits. That, you know, stuff goes on in the metro Atlanta area, you know. People from Georgia know what I'm talking about. So just kind of... Trap music kind of continued to lead to the, um, the subgenre genre, mumble rap, which has received a lot of criticism, especially from the self-proclaimed rap experts, also known as old heads. But, you know, despite what you might say about Southern hip hop or what trap music um, is like right now, it kind of is what it is. You know, Jay-Z said it himself, men lie, women lie, numbers don't, and the numbers back it up. So along with trap music, there also currently is this really big and upcoming wave of rap of female rappers, you know, kind of starting more with the upcoming with Nicki Minaj after her Pink Friday album. And that kind of made it big for her because um, she had been featured on songs like, um, what was it, the Ludacris song. 
ludicrous song my chick bad but now she had her own album and doing her thing and currently there are even more um female rappers like megan the stallion who's from texas the city girl is from the 305 doja cat rico nasty and of course this isn't me just saying or being ignorant like women haven't always been a part of hip-hop there are always props to give to lauren hill little kim and erica badu however there is something to know about how social media has changed the way we interact we as fans interact with our favorite artists like we can see and see these women's lives so often and that you know it's quicker and easier to criticize and i mean hip-hop is always not too far away with its own controversy and women in the hip-hop industry continue to challenge gender norms express their sexual freedom and expectations but you know now we're having this self-promotion to say that hey when it comes to making money you know I can make my own money, but sex isn't going to be the only thing that keeps a woman at this point in her life, you know? So the girl said it best and act up. Yeah, I know what you get in it, but are you spending it? Give a fuck what a nigga got if he ain't spending it. So, like, it's true. I can make my own money, but if you don't have that money, I'm not going to sit around and support you. So it is what it is, and that's kind of interesting. So going back or kind of continuing the social media talk when it comes to hip-hop, social media really has changed how we see celebrities to the point where like being Instagram famous is legit something that could really kickstart careers. And this kind of varies from when YouTube was starting uh, where you know you really have to interact with your audience to become famous because these people are watching you through a video. But really, Instagram, you know, you can post a few pictures that are great, gain followers. And for some people with the minimal talent, start to promote brands and get your money and reach thousands. And this has helped artists who have talent, you know, in a positive way and are doing what they need to do. But also kind of on a flip side, raises questions about the integrity of going viral. Like going viral can be good in a way because, you know, you're going to reach a lot of people. And, you know, it just hasn't been like this, you know, only for maybe a little over a decade at this point. And, you know, is social media or are the social media celebrities that you're seeing rising and upcoming, are they as good as those before? You know, like Jay-Z, Jay-Z didn't need to create a social media following. Like he's been out doing his thing for years. So, you know, if he decided to create an Instagram account, thousands of people follow because they already knew who he was, you know. But I feel like what it really comes down to is the balance between old school, they already did what they needed to do, and how well social media celebrities are just up-and-coming rappers using social media um, and how that keeps the integrity. Um, at the end of the day, people are going to grind hard and do what is necessary to keep being relevant and gain a following. You know, and others might not understand the workload of trying to keep on going and release music and things like that. Some people might just fall off after a hit or two or an entire album. But then you have some web celebs who just won't go away. Like the Catch Me Outside girl. I still don't get it. I really don't want to get it. I feel like that was one of the weirdest things that I'm still questioning why this chick is so popular. But, you know, social media has this influence. But for me personally, I feel like one viral video isn't going to be enough to establish a career for most people.
Hip-hop is seen everywhere, you know. We have iconic fashion like bangles and chains and hoops and everything like that. You know, rappers nowadays are walking in these like high-end fashion shows where, you know, the designer might even know or ever heard of their music, but they know like popularity of them. So they're going to use it to their advantage. You know, you've seen uh, like Rihanna and Offset, they've modeled a few times for sure. And you know, at, oh, speaking of Rihanna, like you have artists that are starting their own fashion lines, expanding their trades, creating their own empires. So that's really interesting too that you know, you get your foot in the door rapping, you build up, you're successful, but now that you're really kind of like more on the professional level of having your multiple ways you make money. So you gain what you gotta gain, do what you gotta do, and that just is really admirable to see as well. As for music, um, genre crossovers are not just limited with hip hop and dance hall, but even you have EDM music like the song Wild for the Night by ASAP Rocky and the DJ Skrillex. Again, artists like Pitbull and you know Bad Bunny proved that rap is this global phenomenon. You know, you're rapping in Spanish and incorporating, you know, their own cultural icons and influences into the music for their audiences around the world k-pop groups are huge and it seems like every single k-pop group at least has that one rapper and you know the start of the genres was heavily influenced by hip-hop in the 90s so it just goes to show that rap is everywhere hip-hop is everywhere and you know rapping isn't just this african-american thing but it kind of really just gives a voice to everyone it's bold controversial challenging uplifting and it's just representative gives a voice to the people who have something to say and you know the people will listen if it's good so hip-hop i honestly feel like is one of america's few but great cultural exports and we just talked about it so here we go there we go thank you for listening hip-hop on the spiel with stewie have a great day and stewie out